You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. You're out, you're about, but you want your Dan Patrick. Well, good news, he goes everywhere with you. If you miss the show, you can podcast it. If you want to see the show, just go to Peacock and we stream it live every weekday. Watch past episodes too. The Dan Patrick Show, available anywhere you are, any way you want it. to pick the Bengals. Burrow, long count. Joe has the ball. Drops back to throw. But I'd be picking the Bengals just because I want the city of Cincinnati. Aaron Donald got there. Donald takes his helmet off in celebration. I I think the Rams are going to win. You brought the Rams back to Los Angeles. Congratulations. You built the world's greatest stadium. Rams. How? You brought together the greatest players. For the Super Bowl champion. And now you've won Super Bowl 56. The Vince Lombardi Trophy is staying in Rams house. World champs, baby! Welcome to the Dan Patrick Show. The day after. I wanted this so bad. I dreamed this, man. Everything was on the line. Everything. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. Another inning fit for Hollywood. This is Dan Patrick. Oh, it's the calm after the storm. Welcome in. Hour two, Dan and the Dan. That's Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Stay a while if you can. Dial us up. Email, tweet, all the above. Say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner. You can download that app. You can watch the show for free. Our radio affiliates around the country, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio. We will get to more phone calls and give you our best and worst of the weekend. Also, in a little bit, we'll talk to Brian Clark. He's an analyst for uh, ESPN. Carson Palmer will join us coming up a little bit. And we'll talk to uh, a recently minted Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli, the Jags offensive lineman, got into the Hall of Fame, and uh, he'll join us. Update the poll results there, Seton. And are we changing the poll question in hour two? We are changing the poll okay. question in hour two. Hour one was last night, Aaron Donald's last game. Hmm. 73% say he'll be back next year. Okay. What's the new poll question? Well, we got a couple of options for you. And one of them you brought up actually to Russ Tucker. More likely to get back to the Super Bowl next year, Rams or Bengals? Okay. It's fun. Um, Paul's got a fun one that he's been kicking around. All right. What do you have, Paul? Who had the best night? Uh, the Rams' Van Jefferson. He won a Super Bowl, and his second kid was born post-game. Right. He got to get there in time for it. Right. How about Rams' safety Taylor Rapp? He got a Super Bowl and got engaged on the field post-game. I got one more. Eric Weddle was on his couch two months ago playing with his children. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl last night. He had a huge play on the last Bengals drive. He also tore his pectoral muscle from the bone in the first half and played in the second half. That's some legacy stuff there. Now, is the torn peck a positive or a negative? In it this is. System? Tough guy positive. It's oh, a tough okay. guy positive. I don't know. You could tell. He's retired. He doesn't need a peck. You're right. <laughs> He's got another one, I'm sure. You get two, I think. All show. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. If you listen to this show, you know that I have mentioned occasionally that I try to get people into a Hall of Fame. You know, John Facenda, I reached out to the Hall of Fame and I said the voice of the NFL should be in the Hall of Fame, and he got in. Now, I've lobbied for other players to get into the Hall of Fame, and I'd never met Tony Baselli years ago. I'd never met him, but I did watch him, and I, you know, it's one of those where you say, who's a Hall of Famer? When you watch somebody, you go, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He was all-pro lineman, uh, you know, back in the 1995 draft, and you know, linemen sort of get forgotten because we only bring their name up if they do something like holding or they you know give up a sack. And 
I just saw Tony and, and said the Jags have one of the better offensive linemen that I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot because I've been around the game for, you know, what, 40 years now. And I, I didn't even know that when the announcement happened, but I got all these people who sent me text and said, your boy got in the Hall of Fame. And I go, who's my boy? And then I realized that Tony got into the Hall of Fame. And uh, we've brought it up uh, numerous times, usually, you know, on this day or the day, you know, days after you don't get into the Hall of Fame. And Tony got into the Hall of Fame. So I was very, very happy. And I said to Fritzy, see if Tony can join us. And uh, Tony, congrats. We did it. Well, Dan, we did. I'm glad I'm your boy, too. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, put it, that made me laugh this morning. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, this is much better than the last, I think, uh, this is my sixth year. So the last five years before where I'm mourning with you about not making the Hall of Fame. So it's, uh, I've, uh, I've enjoyed this Super Bowl weekend as uh, – as much as any weekend I ever have, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Walk us through how you find out you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, because of COVID, the last two, you know, in that past, they used to vote on Saturday before the, the Super Bowl, and then you'd find out Saturday night at the honor show. Um, the last few years, because of the pandemic, they voted virtually. This year, they did it on the 18th. And I had no idea when I'd find out. And the, my wife found out on the 19th. The Hall of Fame called her and said, hey, your, your husband's made the Hall of Fame. And she didn't tell me. Because what? they wanted to set up this. Oh, did not tell me. She. They wanted to set up this big surprise knock, and so on the twenty seventh. You know, I'm sitting around waiting. I'm, I haven't heard anything. Nobody's talking, and uh, I'm at a buddy's house, one of my good friends, uh, and he, we're they're talking. They set up this whole ruse to get me there first of all, and then there's a knock on the door, and he goes, "Hey, can you go get that for me? Uh, I got to do something." And I said, "Sure, I'll go get it." So I walked downstairs, I opened up the door, and there's Anthony Munoz in his gold jacket with NFL Network and Hall of Fame and all my family behind them. And, you know, he gives, puts his hand out, shakes my hand, gives me a big hug, and says, welcome uh, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, that I mean, it was just – it was magical. Um, but then I, I couldn't say anything for two weeks. Like, we were sworn to silence. <sighs> And so, like, uh, there's moments like you forget. I don't say you forget about it, but I'm like, can they call me and like take this back? I mean, it's not <laughs> nothing's out there. Officially yet. So the big the big moment was walking uh, on the honors where they called me out. Uh, Bruce Smith was the one who introduced me, which is uh, pretty uh, fitting based on seeing that the game against him was kind of my coming out party. Um, that's when it was like, okay, they're never taking this away now. What kind of emotions? Um, oh, I think the, the, like the prevailing emotion is gratitude more than anything. Like it's so, it's so humbling because now I, I mean, I'm a huge, I've been a football fan since I can remember. So a lot of the guys that are in all fame, those are the guys I looked up to. I like you watched and I wanted to be like, and I never imagined that my name would be next to theirs or I'd have a bus next to theirs. Um, and so it's really humbling, but it's the, just the gratitude I feel for all the people that helped me get here. Because, you know, football, number one, is the greatest team sport ever. And and I played the greatest team position. Uh, there's no great – I mean, you were dependent on the guys next to you as an offensive lineman. And so – and I have great coaches and mentors. And um, and so i just really thankful because, you know, I always say a couple things. I didn't make myself 6'7". You know, that was the gift of God who said, I'm going to make you big and give you good feet. And then I'm thankful that God put great people in my path because I just don't think any of us get where we go by ourselves. And uh, I had some really great people and uh, 
And then the the one like it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing, but there was a sad moment. My dad was my dad passed away in 2021, and uh, I knew last year when they called me and said I didn't make it, there was a good chance he wouldn't be around mm. uh, because he had cancer when I got in. And so missing him being there and him experiencing it because I don't think there was a bigger fan of mine than my dad and uh, just what he meant in my life. So I missed him, but I know he was up in heaven smiling, probably doing high fives and uh, enjoying himself. Talking to Tony Baselli, the uh, former Jacksonville Jaguar tackle and first player drafted by the Jags. Is that, is that right? You were the first player? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yep. Um, how would uh, Tony Baselli in his prime have done against Aaron Donald? What would you have done last night against him? Yeah, after I would pray a lot before I went out there. <laughs> because Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald reminds me of uh, you know, he uh, with his the, the way he plays and his size. You know, he he gives a big guy like me problems in one sense because he's he's just he has instant leverage, and it reminds me of John Randall a little bit. His ability to get on top and overpower, but also his quickness. And so, and I've watched Aaron Donald a lot, and he's one of the top defensive players ever to play this game. If he never plays another snap, just like he's like one of those guys like Brady and some others, just like wave the five years, just put him in the dang Hall of Fame. I mean, that's where they belong. Um, But I I watched him, I've watched him a bunch. And I would, one thing I would do is I'd, I'd force Aaron Donald to run over me because if you, because he's so quick. And I think what you want to do is make sure you don't get beat right away. Like you want to make it as long and give your quarterback as much time and make him go through you. Uh, because it, like even the play at the end of the game, he got up, got up field on the shoulder of uh, uh, spleen and, and got around the corner. There's no chance. You got to force him to go around. It's easier said than done. So I just said off him and just said, Hey, all right, Aaron, if you're going to get sacks today, you're going to go right through me um, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit right there in the line of scrimmage and let you beat me immediately. He's just a fabulous player. I mean, he's one of the few, you know, every great defense alignment, every great pass rusher, you have to have speed and power. I just don't think you can just beat, you know, good offense alignment with one, if you just have one in your arsenal. And Aaron Donald has it all. Where do you think it turned last night for the Bengals? Um, you know, it was, I'll say, I mean, before I answer this, it was the least watched Super Bowl I've ever watched, man, because I was enjoying the moment so much with <laughs> about the Hall of Fame in the suite and having a good time. Uh, so this might not be my best work in analyzing the game, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I, you know, I thought I thought when they settled for some field goals in that tight red red zone, I think that's what hurt them. Um, and I, w- I was shocked at the end, in the two minutes, that they get in the shotgun. You need You need a half a yard. I mean, get up there and take your chances. I mean, uh, that will, that shocked me. I mean, that's not why they lost the game. I mean, they felt like that was their best chance. But the red zone production and then also just, you know, I, I don't understand why teams under a yard are getting the shotgun and throwing the ball. I mean, if you can't get half a yard, you probably don't deserve to win. Congratulations. And uh, long time coming. But, you know, I wish your father could have been there for you. I'm sure that you'll uh, – Acknowledge that in your speech, and we look forward to hearing that. Dan, I appreciate it. And I, I do appreciate all the support of you and the show and all the guys on the show uh, throughout the years. Uh, that is not lost on me, and I appreciate it greatly. Thank you, bud. We appreciate your time. That's uh, Tony Baselli. now calling him a Hall of Famer.
And uh, first ever player drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 1995. Yeah, Paul. It seems pretty fair when guys' careers are derailed by injury. It's like um, Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard for the Colts. He's cruising to the Hall of Fame right now. I think he's three straight Pro Bowls in his first three straight seasons. That's like Anthony Munoz type stuff. But if somehow uh, Quentin Nelson got hurt at age 29, there's only so, you know, there's only so much you can do about it. Yeah, and that's what happened to Tony. Yeah. Because he got hurt. And normally we'll look at a skilled position player uh, like Terrell Davis, and you go, I, you know, he kind of, uh, Gail Sayers, you know, they had that five or six year window, Kirby Puckett with the Minnesota Twins, where injury cut short their career. And then you're left to speculate on what could have been. And I just, once again, I just saw Baselli and I just thought that he was different. And uh, having been able to see Anthony Munoz with the Bengals, who I think is the best offensive lineman ever. Uh, and, you know, here's Munoz, who is Tony Baselli's idol, knocking on the door to say congratulations. That's well produced. It's something that we wouldn't be able to do, but that's, uh, that's what. How does his wife keep a secret like that? That's the amazing part is she finds out and then she's got to not tell anybody. Him. And don't you think you'd let it slip or you'd be on the phone with somebody and go, hey, we're trying to get this party together. I wouldn't be able to keep a secret on that Uh, easily. (laughs) (laughs) One of the worst people to keep a secret. I would have totally ruined it for Baselli and the entire group. Yeah. Terry in Rochester, best and worst of the weekend. Hi, Terry. What's on your mind today? How are you doing today, Dan? Good, Terry. Good. Uh, I wanted to say my best of the weekend was Whitmore winning for his team. He probably retiring right up to the sunset. Yep. For the Rams and uh the Bengals, man, I, I hate I hate that call, man. That call I know we don't want to keep talking about it, but that call you would have had a tall tax for for the Rams going fourth and nine, fourth and ten. I would have rather see them win like that than the refs inside the game. Because uh, that would have been a tall task for the Rams to win that game with one minute left. Even if they stopped them, they would have had to use all their timeouts. Thanks, Dan. All right, Terry. Yeah, you know, the the call on Logan Wilson, I didn't think was a good call. Was there contact? Yes. But at the, at the point of impact where the ball is headed towards Cooper Cup, Wilson removes his hands from Cooper Cup, and he made a great play on the ball. Now, would they have scored? Maybe, but you didn't want that game to be decided or influenced by one of those calls. That, that was it. And as soon as I saw the flag come out, I go, oh boy, this is going to be a topic of conversation. And I thought Wilson played a wonderful game. I thought that Bengals defense played a wonderful game. No big names over there, but it was, that was a great performance. They shut down the Rams running game. And it made it even more remarkable. I mean, Sean McVay had to come up with a, a game plan here. Kevin O'Connell, they had to come up with a different game plan. Imagine you start the Super Bowl and you say, this is what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden you can't run the football. And then you don't have Odell Beckham for three quarters. And you have Cooper Cup. But, you know, that's, that's what makes the Rams Super Bowl champs. The guys who you asked to step up, need to step up, did. And for the Bengals, that did not happen when they needed them. We'll come back. More phone calls coming up. Our best and worst of the weekend. One of our favorites, Ryan Clark of the Mothership. And uh, Carson Palmer will stop by as well. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. 
Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We will give you our best and worst of the weekend. Recap some of the commercials. Halftime show as well. I had people saying, greatest halftime show ever. And I went, no. Not for me. Prince singing Purple Rain in the rain. Best halftime show ever. Absolutely. I did appreciate the nostalgia there. But Prince Prince ripped it up, man. Yeah, Paulie. I think it's you, you vote on, you choose the halftime show you like based on your age group. I bet if you're like 40 to 55, you really love yesterday's uh, Super Bowl halftime. Yeah. Because of they were that's what you grew up on, some of the musicians. I know. I, I appreciated it. And I, and I like the music and seeing Eminem up there and Dr. Dre and Snoop. Uh, 50 Cent. I didn't recognize 50 Cent. 250 Cent. 250 Cent. What Somebody the? said he finally became a full dollar. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Man. I, <laughs> um, Let's bring in Ryan Clark here, the uh, ESPN NFL analyst, won a Super Bowl with the uh, Steelers. Um, what did you think of the halftime show there, Ryan? I thought it was amazing. Um, you, like my father, uh, definitely think that Prince singing Purple Rain in the rain is the best one. Uh, you know how it is. We have recency bias. You know, at the time I saw that one, I did think it was the best. Purple Rain was the first um, R-rated movie I got to see. Uh, it was the first boobs I ever got to look at on TV when she jumped in the waters of uh, Lake Monotonga, but it really wasn't that late. Um, you know, so that that was definitely nostalgic for me. And it was amazing because he's obviously and honestly probably the, the, the greatest musician, uh, total musician that we've ever had play um, at the Super Bowl. But, you know, I was in there last night, man. I think for me, you know, I'm thinking, you know, 92, chronic, you know, chronic 2001, uh, eight mile. Um, obviously, I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan. And, you know, being able to be there and be a part of it, it was the one I enjoyed the most, you yep. know. And, and so and so I think we can all go back and forth about which one was best, man. But I thought it was I thought it was smart to, to use the L.A. folks. Obviously, Mary J. Blige is, you know queen of R&B and hip-hop, so I thought it was a real good show. All right, where do you want to start? The Bengals lost because what? Well, the Bengals lost because of what I think everybody always thought they would lose lose for in the end of the, the game was offensive line. Uh, we knew if it got into a game where they had to block Aaron Donald and, you know, Leonard Floyd, also Von Miller, that it could be very difficult. This is the team that the Tennessee Titans sacked nine times. And so to think that you'd be playing against the greatest defensive player of our era uh, at defensive tackle, and that wouldn't affect the game at some point, um, I think it's crazy to believe. But on the other side of it, if Aaron Donald legally pushes your quarterback inbounds to out of bounds, don't go start a fight with a man you can't beat up. 
right? Don't don't energize the leader of that defense. And if you look throughout the night, I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals made stupid play after stupid play that hurt their team from a penalty standpoint. And on the other side of that, they look like the less experienced football team toward the end of the game. They look like the team that had never been there before, which is something that's tough because it doesn't mean just because you're young, you're going to get back there another time. What happened with Cooper Cup on the final drive? Um, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, who's absolutely been phenomenal in the second half of games, finally made his first mistake. Um, If I don't have Tyler Higby on the field, if I don't have Odell Beckham Jr. on the field, I'm probably playing Cooper Cup the way people play Calvin Johnson in the red zone and vicing him like it's punt team. Cooper Cup should have been doubled on every snap of that drive. You knew he would be the go-to guy. Instead, they decided to play a ton of cover three, which allowed Cooper Cup to manipulate the zone coverages and make plays. And then obviously you have the Logan Wilson holding. uh, You have the DPI on Eli Apple. And for the life of me, I do not know why you have Eli Apple one-on-one with the best receiver in football on the goal line. I'm taking that even if Dan Patrick is throwing. Uh, I would have completed that. I mean, it's almost like <laughs> it, it, it's like when the Patriots had single coverage on uh, Plexigo Burris. Yes. Ellis Hobbs. Absolutely. And you're going, you know, Eli's looking. He goes, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And, yeah, it, and, it kind of break, it brings to mind the Kyler Murray the Kyler Murray video where he sees DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one and as he's throwing it, he's smiling because you (laughs) knew what type of matchup you had. I'm sure that's the same way that Matthew Stafford felt. More likely to get back to the Super Bowl next year, Rams or Bengals? You know, the Rams have a lot of cap issues, uh, so it depends on who they, who they're able to keep. Um, But I think you, I think you'd say the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals in the sense of they understand what they have to fix Protection, add depth at the cornerback position, make sure Jesse Bates is still on the team. You know, those are those are the things that they have to do to make sure this team is good again. I think the only thing that sways you from that is a guy named Patrick Mahomes, a guy named Josh Allen, a guy named Justin Herbert, a guy named Lamar Jackson. When you look at the quarterbacks that are in the AFC, you could probably say the Bengals may end up being the better team in 2022 but the Los Angeles Rams will have the easier road. Um, But I think the Cincinnati Bengals have a great young nucleus, um, a team that's going to be explosive for years to come with those skills, skill players, and an obvious fix to some of their ills. Did Joe Burrow do anything wrong last night? You know, I don't think he did anything wrong. I do think this is the first time we can say in a moment he needed to elevate and elevate a team above its mean or above its its opponent, this is the first time we haven't seen him do it in a big moment. You know, um, whether it's been Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Tennessee, Kansas City, Las Vegas, we're so used to seeing him in tight games where teams might be better when that moment comes, stepping up in that moment. And last night he didn't get the opportunity uh, to do that. And now you can also say that's because his guards, his two guards and his center didn't protect him. And he was getting pressure into his face the whole game. But I don't feel like we give every quarterback that out. He played well, 
but I just don't think when he had an opportunity to have that Joe Burrow true legacy moment that he made the plays he needed to. We're talking to Ryan Clark, the ESPN NFL analyst and, uh, of course, former defensive back, won a Super Bowl with the Steelers back, I believe, in 2009. Matthew Stafford, now a Hall of Famer. Is it that simple? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's that simple, but I think now the the conversation is a lot closer. You know, um, I mean, I think it all – that's my – my wife's alarm. I think it uh, all depends. Um, <laughs> Is she still sleeping? No, nah, she's awake. I'm not really sure why it's going off right now. Uh, you know, I think it all depends on on how you saw Matthew Stafford's tenure in um, in Detroit. You know, I think obviously we all saw him as an elite talent. Um, you have all the fourth quarter comebacks because they were down so much, um, and you have the Pro Bowls, you have the numbers, and so if one is enough for him to get there then maybe, uh, and maybe I'll say this, I don't think this makes him a first ballot Hall of Famer. No. You no. know, and so that maybe that's what I'll say because so many times when I think of Hall of Famers, you, you almost get into like no-brainer land, right? Like if you walked into a room of football players or former football players or people who love the game of football and you say Barry Sanders, everybody in that room goes, yep. You know, you say Peyton Manning, yep. Tom Brady, yep. You know, Jonathan Ogden, yep. And I don't know if Matthew Stafford is in that place of Hall of Fame for me. So sometimes it's hard to say that they're guaranteed the Hall of Fame when you don't know if they're a first ballot Hall of Famer or not. I call those guys the no pause. Because if I say, if you say, hey, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? And I pause, then maybe he's not a Hall of Famer. Like Philip Rivers. I might think a minute. It, yeah, I agree. But there are certain guys where you go, no pause. Not, mm-hmm. you know. Devin Hester didn't get in. Is Devin Hester going to get into the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I, and I, don't think, I don't think Devin Hester's problem is production or Hall of Fame success. I think Devin Hester's problem is position. Right? He, he, played, he, he didn't necessarily star at a offensive or defensive position. He was a specialist. I think it's difficult for us to see specialists as that important. And you're not going to put Devin Hester over some of these other positional players who have been waiting. You know, um, But nobody's going to approach these numbers ever again, Ryan, with, you know, we've diminished the kickoff. And yep. like the, you don't even get those opportunities. These, these numbers are going to stand a lifetime. Yeah, he's going to be – he's probably going to be the last specialist to ever get in along with being the first. Uh, the game, the, the game has changed, you know, so much. And if you were playing during Devin's doing Devin Hester's time, you understood the magnitude of his impact, right? You understood that when you were playing the Chicago bears at that time, you game planned more for Devin Hester than you did Rex Grossman, right? <laughs> you, 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 you remember the Indianapolis kickoff that turned into six right away. Like all of those moments are so prevalent. Uh, in my mind, and I don't know if you're, you know, if you're presenting him uh, to the rest of the Hall of Fame voters, you have to make sure people understood the, and understand the magnitude of his impact. Did you meet anybody during Super Bowl week that uh, blew you away? Yeah, and this is going to sound uh, very, I would guess, was it 1990s of me? I met Urkel. Uh, I met Jaleel White. Uh, I'm out out to dinner. Um, I have a podcast called The Pivot now. 
um, obviously NFL Live. And so I'm out to dinner with all of my friends. Guy walks up to me with a mask, like taps my chest, shakes my hand, hugs me like, man, I love your show. I love everything you do on TV. I'm always watching. But he has the mask on. And so, you know, I'm just kind of like, oh, thank you. So, you know, the whole, the whole thing you do that. Thank you so much. It's such a blessing. You know, we got we got our lines, you know, and he takes his mask off and I'm like, it's Mickey Ficky Urkel, you know, and, and so and so like when it happens and like what's crazy you didn't call him Urkel, did you? In my head, not out loud. Okay, okay, not, not out loud. I know his name is Jalil. I called him Jalil, you know. But then you know Dan Orlowski stands up and Marcus Spears and everybody at the table is up because like that's our childhood, you know. So for somebody like uh, Jalil White to appreciate my work after I sat on every Friday on TGIF and watched him, you know, I thought it was um, just a really, a really cool moment and kind of like a full circle young Ryan moment. By the way, Orlovsky is so obnoxious with this Matthew Stafford love, you know, I haven't turned the TV on. Yeah. He's got, I, he's got I his say- shirt on. He's got a t-shirt says Matthew freaking Stafford. He thinks he won the Super Bowl, not Stafford. Well, I will tell you this, Dan, what I've learned about the other day is, you want a friend like him, right? Like if you want, if you need somebody to believe in you, DP, and never waver on their belief in you, get you a friend like Dan Orlowski. <laughs> I already know. If anybody ever walks up to Dan and is like, Ryan Clark is a terrible analyst, Dan will die before he allows that person to walk off and believe anything differently of me. You know, it's crazy. I'll give you, so you know, Dan was at the game last night in Matthew's box, right? And it's sweet. With the family. And he, yes. And he planned a red eye to make sure he could be at work this morning just in case he won. Like this was this was <laughs> plotted out, DP. This wasn't this isn't an accident that he has the t-shirt ready and all those things. He was not missing Monday morning if Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl. And uh we were texted throughout the game. We have a group text, and everybody's like, Could you imagine if Matthew Stafford loses this Super Bowl and the Indianapolis Colts are talking about getting rid of Carson Wentz. It'll be the worst Monday in Dan Olowski's house ever. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, getting up with us. I know you had a long yeah. night and uh, thank you again uh, throughout the season joining us. We always appreciate uh, your insights. Yes, sir. You have a great one. All right. That's Ryan Clark, um, the mothership ESPN NFL analyst. On a Super Bowl back with the Steelers in 09. Let's go around the room, best and worst of the weekend. I'm going to start with you, Todd. Best and worst of the weekend. My best of the weekend, Matthew Stafford leading the Rams in what would be a game-winning drive late in the fourth quarter. Nice to see him after all those years in Detroit getting his ring. Worst, the officials missing offensive pass interference on T. Higgins. 75-yard TD reception after pulling on Jalen Ramsey's face mask, causing him to lose his footing. Later explained by the refs that they didn't see a grab, twist, and turn on the play, and that's why they didn't call anything. All right. Seton O'Connor, best and worst of the weekend. My best of the weekend was the halftime show. I, I absolutely loved it. I don't know if it'll be considered the best, but it was my favorite of all time by far. All right. Absolutely phenomenal. All right. uh, my worst of the weekend, Odell Beckham Jr. getting hurt. I'm happy that he was able to catch that touchdown. Uh, and I think he was probably on the way to an MVP performance himself. Uh, but unfortunately, man, that knee injury, that's just terrible. And I, I missed my opportunity to ask Ryan Clark about that turf. But I've watched the play numerous times, and it's just an awkward landing and turn with Odell. I mean, those things happen. If you want to look at a horrible football field, 
where they held a Super Bowl, go back to the Bengals and the Niners when Joe Montana throws the touchdown pass to uh, uh, John Taylor. Like that was, that was, there was chunks of turf that came up. I think Tim Crumry, the great defensive lineman for the Bengals, suffered a horrible knee injury because of that turf there. But last night, I don't know if anybody else had problems with that turf. Marvin, you got a best and worst of the weekend? Hey, Dan, as a matter of fact, I do. Oh. Uh, best, Evan <laughs> McPherson staying out for the halftime show and not going in the locker room. That was phenomenal. I guess he'd have to be there for the secondary meeting. I didn't yeah. think, no. No, I don't think so. No. Worse was the inactive player from the Bengals getting the uh, penalty when they had an interception. Vernon Hargraves? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he made the uh, team flight back. What? What is possessing you to run out there to celebrate? They just got an interception, and he's out there in a, a hoodie. And it cost them. They got a 15-yard penalty. Like, can't you wait till they come to the sidelines? Yeah, Paul. The one thing about Evan McPherson, the kicker, he said he went out there for the entire halftime, not like part of it. I heard an interview with Michael Irvin yesterday. He said that one of the Cowboys Super Bowls, he said he was going to the bathroom. He goes, Coach, I, gotta be, I really got to go. He ran down the hallway and watched Michael Jackson for five minutes because he wanted to see Michael Jackson at halftime. But the playmaker said, if there was social media, people would have saw me and I would have got crushed. Best and worst of the weekend? My worst was also Vernon Hargraves. I saw a guy in a hoodie. I thought it was a fan from the stands for a second, and I thought they were going to you know, throttle him. Yeah. Um, neither best nor worst, just most awkward. Joe Burrow's suit when he walked into the Super Bowl game, he had, a, I would say, a black and white zebra skin or a zebra look suit with hat. If you win, that's the coolest outfit of all time. When you lose, you have to walk out in your zebra outfit, which looks less awkward. That said, you cannot bring a losing outfit. You cannot have a, a muted, boring suit in case you lose. Well, you, you can't wear the hat after the game. <laughs> like you can wear the suit and the hat going in, but I even I text the Danettes. I said, boy, that's going to be a tough suit to wear if you lose the uh, Super Bowl. And you, know, you show up in the press. Game. It's like Cam Newton would show up. And you go, you just lost, and you got an ostrich on your head. You got, you got a scarf on your head. It reminds me of uh, Raising Arizona, where Nicolas Cage is robbing a store, <laughs> and the guy at the store says, you got a pantyhose on your head. <laughs> and he, he was trying to disguise himself, and he had pantyhose on his head, or uh, covering his face. All right, more phone calls coming up, best and worst of the weekend, back after this. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I mean, he's really locked in. Yeah. Did, did you think he had like a like a clubhouse guy holding the ring and said, if we win, find me? I mean, he wasn't going to do it after a loss. I, that's what I would want to know. If it, Were you getting engaged win or lose? Because if you lost, do you still love her? Do you still want to marry her? Yes, he Right, because it's kind of like the consoling, like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. Like, you played your best. You did so You did so good. I'm so proud of you anyway. It's like, okay, you want to get married or All what? Right. Yeah. Yes, son. <laughs> you can't possibly propose on the day you lose the Super Bowl. That has to be, this is the horrible day that we didn't get. It goes further than AFC champions, and this is the day of the lost Super Bowl. And there has to be another date that's the special date yeah, that's but, all happiness. But you were there for me when I had my lowest moment. We lost the Super Bowl. And I'll never forget that. But We're you could still tell her like the next 
day or a week or two later. That's, it can't all be encompassed into that one loss. Was there a commercial that stood out? You guys? I don't know what the product was, but I love that they, there was a throwback to the Sopranos at that opening music, and they had Meadow Soprano meeting up with her brother from the show, and I couldn't tell you if it was for a beer, a car, technology, <laughs> or what it was, but I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it felt like that you just, every commercial was trying to squeeze in as many celebrities as possible, where you went, oh, yeah, what a great commercial. They had all those people in it. And then there was one where it, it, it had to do with uh, Mick Ultra, and it's Peyton Manning, and then Serena comes in. And I go, Serena's not drinking Mick Ultra. Like, like there's some of that where you go, nah, not buying into that. I did like the Larry David commercial because it's based on him in history saying these are all bad ideas. And then it comes up about cryptocurrency. And then he says, nah, it's a bad idea. This is what I would want to know. Did he get paid in crypto? Because if he did, okay, now I believe you. I'm going to guess Larry David didn't get paid in crypto for doing a crypto commercial. Paulie, you got one? Yeah, one with no stars. There was a Pringles commercial, and they had the thing where all, you know, people get their hands stuck that in the Pringles. That was my favorite. It, it, it's like a 15-year-old kid. He gets his hands stuck in the Pringles jar, and he goes wire to wire with it. Like his daughter's uh, uh, marriage, he's giving her away. He's got the Pringles thing on. He, he's an old man. He's retiring. Then they show him in the casket with the Pringles thing. I said, my daughter and I were laughing. Yeah. Uh, a couple of phone calls in here. Jonathan in Cincinnati. Hey, Jonathan. What's on your mind today? Hey, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Al in Atlanta. Al, welcome back. Good morning, Dan. Hey, bud. Best of the weekend was definitely the halftime show. That was the first halftime show that every single song evoked a positive memory of the first time I heard it hmm. until I realized all those memories are coming from middle and high school and all the analysts were calling it a throwback. Did not, <laughs> did not like that. First worst of the weekend was clearly the referee's reasoning for not throwing a flag on T. Higgins. I was watching the game with my family. My mom and my aunt both know zero about football, and they were both screaming at the television because they could clearly see that was a blown call. And second worst of the weekend, before the game, I was going around to every family member trying to get them to help me put a hundy bet on the Rams and my dad wouldn't do it because he was going for the Bengals. Nobody else would do it. And, and then the Rams win. I got to find a way to get my money from them. Good luck with that, Al. Yeah. I think the point spread was around three and a half. I think that's what uh, DraftKings had. And I told you that a lot of the sharps jumped in at four and a half and you can see why that uh, you know, started to creep down a little bit. And I don't know if it went off at three or three and a half, but a lot of the smart guys got in at four and a half with the Bengals. Lucas in Texas. Hey, Luke, what's on your mind? Hey, DP. Hey, bud. Hey, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of agree with what uh, Ryan Clark was saying. I think the turn of that game, you know, whenever they do the NFL documentary on it or whatever, is was that Aaron Donald push of Joe Burrow completely legal, 
a clean play. He was still in bounds, but it just it, it was an attitude shift, and they the, the Rams defense seemed to to really get a lot more aggressive after that. And Burrow just didn't seem to have nearly as much time. But hey, I wanted to offer up kind of based on one of the commercials a very niche uh, beverage consumption game, if you will, based on one of the the commercials yesterday. Okay. Uh, that that one about the Showtime that one about the Showtime Lakers. I think it's going to be great. I, I'm really excited just to watch it. But for anyone that watched the show last week, I would recommend grabbing a large uh, amount of your preferred beverage. And uh, whenever you watch that show, anytime you see someone uh, looking good in a three-piece suit, you have to yell, damn, three-piece, and get a drink. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. Fritzy has his damn three-piece suit on today from the 90s. It's, it's 27 years old. It doesn't fit, and he still has it. And uh, if you're watching on Peacock... That's what Fritzy in the uh, early 90s would have looked like. It's, it's a, uh, a wrinkly suit is what it is. Very baggy pants. Very strange. Yeah. But, but I don't know how a woman could say, hey, this would look great on you. Because when you wear those suits, the linen suits, they just wrinkle. They never look good. If you're a salesperson, you say, I guess, whatever you have to say to make the, make the sale. Because I spent, like, easily several hundred dollars, if not more, on this thing. And she made me feel like I was Crockett or Tubbs wow. or whatever walking out of there. And I was in Laguna <laughs> Beach. And yeah. she said, should, should we box it up? No, I'm wearing this back to my little Mustang convertible that's waiting for me across the street. And I'm ready to roll. Your tub's all right. And I, okay. <laughs> that's too not necessary. Too soon. Not necessary. That's not necessary. What? Way too soon. What? you got to wait at least 30 full years. So you got a couple years yet before you could pull that up. But I like how you had to get the backroom guys to get a wire. I couldn't close the. Help, I couldn't close the waist. Help you with your pants. It said thirty twine. It said thirty four <laughs> slash thirty five. I knew that number wasn't right, and I tried it. I just couldn't come close to it. So yeah, we had to tie it up with some wires. It's like uh, Jethro Bodine with the uh, clampets. He would have the rope that would hold his pants up. That was that. That's you with your suit. Today. And I should have had a premonition that I should never have bought this because when I went back to this old Mustang convertible that I bought with a stick shift and I didn't know how to drive stick, someone had slashed the roof of the car, the material. So I had to get like some kind of patch for it. So it just it turned out to be an absolutely horrible day. I bought something I had no business buying, and someone destroyed the convertible top of my car. And then you were getting food for the Super Bowl last night, and you back, you know, backed into your daughter's boyfriend's, boyfriend's car. car. He was parked where he always does when he comes over, and I didn't think of it. I wanted to go get the pizza and the wings and the chicken palm here, and I pulled that, smashed right into his car. Heard this awful crunching noise, and I'm like, oh. I had three, four guests already lined up for today, and I was just going to watch the game and eat a lot of pizza, and then just ruined it. Damn, three-piece. <laughs> More phone calls coming up. We'll talk to Carson Palmer. Final hour on this Monday after this. One more item as we close out hour two. I'm a big fan of Simply Safe's new wireless outdoor camera. You can see what's happening from uh, right outside your home, right from your smartphone, and you get alerts when anybody approaches, so you always know who's there. Simply Safe has everything you need to keep your home safe entry, motion sensors, indoor, outdoor cameras. And it's all monitored 24-7 by professionals ready to dispatch police, firefighters, or EMTs to your home if you need it. And you break it down, Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day. And you can set it up in around 30 minutes. No long-term contracts, no commitments, no hidden fees. So imagine keeping your family safe less than $1 a day. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a couple of minutes. You have to go to the website, simplysafedan.com. Go today, claim that free indoor security camera, plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. 
simplysafedan.com and make sure you tell them we sent you.